My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. What it is, what's up? Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston. Today I'm joined by a very special guest. He is the mind and owner behind Time Bomb Pro Wrestling. It is the one and only Eric Morrison. How are you today, sir? Very good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to do this. No worries, man. I've uh, followed Time Bomb for a while now. I'm a big fan of Oren Vites, uh, so I had to check it out. I also heard you way back in the day on uh, the Your Dose of Death podcast with Lauren Rosenberg. And so, yeah, I've always uh, been very interested to see what uh, comes into the mind of a man that stages fights in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Popped him. Hey, so thanks so much for your time, man. You've obviously got some huge shows coming up uh, that I really want to get into. But before we get there, let's start all the way at the beginning. So I tend to always ask everybody, when you think back to how you fell in love with pro wrestling, what are some of the first faces that jump out at you? Like when you're watching TV and stuff and uh, you think about the guys that, that made you really enjoy and maybe stick with it forever. Um, so I, like most kids, grew up on WWE, and I kind of grew up during, like, the uh, Ruthless Aggression era. So uh, a lot of, like, so kind of like the, the end of the Attitude Era. So a lot of the names that stick out to me were, like, so my favorite wrestler as a kid was Rikishi, just because I <laughs> awesome. loved him because of, like, the, the whole gimmick and everything. Uh, that was, like, the big one for me. Um, I loved TNA as a kid, like Curry Man. Like I really just liked all the like really really out there stuff, like yeah. Curry Man, Shark Boy. Um, trying to think of more names, yeah. Stuff in WWE like Grandmaster Sexay, Scotty Two Hai, like all the two cool guys and stuff. I just liked all the ridiculous stuff. I guess is yeah. the the best way to put it. But like the early WWE like Ruthless Aggression era. Um, maybe it's taboo to say it, but Chris Benoit was like my favorite wrestler as a kid. Uh, it, coincidentally, that's what got me out of wrestling too, but yeah. well, that's another story for another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, like just that whole era of wrestling when like TNA was really on top too, that, that's what made me fall in love with wrestling. Yeah, yeah, nah, absolutely, man. It, it's a fun question to ask because everybody always has a different answer, you know, and, and sometimes yeah, like yeah. it get quite <laughs> obscure and stuff. And yeah, and I, I don't, don't think there's anything taboo about that, though obviously Chris Benoit's run ended in in an extreme tragedy and stuff. I don't think that takes away from 
from what the work he did. You know what I mean? I, I try and draw a line between the wrestler and, and the person. And that kind of goes for everybody. You know what I mean? Like yeah, everybody yeah. kind of likes Hulk, but everybody sort of, sort of knows that Terry sucks, you know? And, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. And this is obviously a much more extreme scenario, <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't yeah. think that takes away those memories and stuff like that. And I, I'm the kind of person that will have, I've had different favorites throughout my in, entire childhood different people have been super hot on and stuff and there was definitely a time where he he was the best you know what i mean like he he was the guy for a time there so i i don't think that that, uh is incorrect to say um it's interesting that you say um rikishi though because he was obviously like quite a a big personality who who was I guess, like, sort of ahead of his time, but a, li- a little bit different, you know, a really agile big man and stuff like that. Do you have a favorite Rikishi match that you can think of? Um, So I always liked the Hell in a Cell match where he got thrown off yes. the cell into the, like... So looking back at it now, it's such a stupid spot, but, like, when he fell into the hay bale truck, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I, I just loved that so much, and that was, that was really what got me into him so much. And then... The thing that really got me into him was, I don't know if you ever played the video game WWE Crush Hour. No, what's that? So, so it's like a, uh, so did you ever play like Twisted Metal as a kid? I love Twisted Metal. That's one of my like favorite all-time games. So WWE made their own Twisted Metal with oh, like really? WWE wrestlers. Yeah. And like they had like these like vehicles with like guns and stuff on them. And Rikishi drove a steamroller and I always <laughs> like would play as Rikishi. And for some reason, I just like fell in love with Rikishi because of that video game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I I played Twisted Metal World Tour until the disc like ran out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wore it away <laughs> like to the point where it's thing. And then in see that's that's how I was with Crush Hour because and I mean it literally is just Twisted Metal like I had no idea what Twisted Metal was as a kid mm-hmm. so I thought Crush Hour was like this amazing game and then I realized that it's basically just a huge rip off of Twisted Metal <laughs> exactly in one of my shittier moments as a kid that I'm not proud of like we played that until it didn't work anymore. And then back in the day, you used to be able to hire video games, and we hired it out and straight up just swapped the discs. Eh? And then I played that until that. <laughs> what a little prick. <laughs> I don't have it too many. Like something I would do, so it's fine. Man, I, I don't have too many stories about being a little dickhead like that, but uh, I was desperate to have that game. I loved it. You know what I mean? It's like, exactly. It's so, understandable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, from from there, you're you're a fan and stuff like that. You're into ruthless aggression. Do you ever have aspirations to wrestle, or or are you thinking of other ways you can be involved? Because obviously now you run your own wrestling company. It's always fun to find out how people took that leap from fan to maybe a little bit further than that. Um. So, like like I said, I had fallen out of wrestling around 2007. I got back into it. Um, right around like 2011, 2012, really when CM Punk was coming back and I kind of just casually watched then. And then like, you know, when the independent wrestling boom, I guess people would call it happened in 2016, 2015, really, wherever you want to peg that. That's when I became more interested in like becoming a part of wrestling. Yeah. Um, I had trained at a quote unquote trained at this place (laughs) in North Dakota for, for about two months. And I just kind of quickly realized it wasn't for me. So I just kind of, like, was okay with being a fan. And then, um, yeah, I guess we'll get into it a little bit more, but this kind of just started out of nowhere. And 
I guess I found my place in uh, in wrestling. If you want, if you want to label it as that, yeah, exactly. Well, well, what's the the genesis of Time Bomb then? So, so if you don't really find that wrestling's for you and you're just a fan, how do you come to put on a show, let alone start a company? Um. So the thing that I always compare it to is I used to put on like um like hardcore punk shows. Yeah, okay. and so so uh, that was like my big thing for probably ten years of my life. Yeah, and like most things, like you just kind of get sick of it, you get tired of it, and I was kind of over it. I had like quit all my bands and stuff and stopped booking shows, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw the Casanova Valentine like no ring shows. Yeah, in Brooklyn that he was them. doing, mm-hmm. and those really really stuck out to me as like something I could possibly do, mm-hmm. and just from like all the years of booking shows and stuff like that, it. I had kind of asked around to like promoters that I knew just from going to shows and stuff. And the whole process seemed like super similar to booking like hardcore punk shows. So it kind of came naturally. Like, I don't want to sound like I have an ego or anything, but I'm still learning as I go. But like that first show was super easy just because it was so laid back. And so like what I was used to doing. So that's kind of the whole genesis of it is just, I was booking music for so long that booking wrestling kind of wasn't as much of a hurdle as some people might think it is, I guess. Absolutely. Well, when you see those shows and you see the Vice stock that Cass did and everything, they stood out to me immediately too because I, I was also in bands, also put on a couple of shows. I used to let more people do that for me, but uh, I did do a couple and it's like a lot of work. But then you see those um, those documentaries and he would put on bands. There'd be like a couple of bands and a couple of fights and it just has this sick underground kind of atmosphere. So I could see that standing out and being like a, a logical progression for you. Um, before before we jump further, were you playing in bands or just putting on gigs? What were you doing? So I had played in a couple bands. Um, none of them like ever were anything. It was just generic hardcore bands for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I had made quite a bit of connections and like obviously like I had my scene that I was a part of and everything. And that's, that's kind of what made things easier for me was like when I was booking these shows, I would book like three bands and three matches. So yeah. the people are coming to see the bands really, but the wrestling is what hooks them. And then they come back to the next one. So I couldn't have done it without like the support of like my local music scene and stuff. And yeah. it's definitely grown past that now, but like, it's still really cool to me that like at least half of my crowd is still local music scene people. Like they haven't, like the, even if they don't really like wrestling, they still go and they have a great time and stuff because what I'm trying to do is book wrestling that, like I said, people who don't even like wrestling are going to enjoy. Yeah, exactly. It's a spectacle, you know, and then yeah, it's that yeah. vibe. That's awesome. Uh, what instrument do you play, Ben? Uh, I played drums and then I sang in a couple hardcore bands as well or screamed, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Right. So, uh, Any on Spotify yeah, yeah. you want to shout out? <laughs> Uh, not on Spotify, but I was in a band. The the only one that did like anything like somewhat successful was mm-hmm. called Spirit of Youth, mm-hmm. and that was so that's on Bandcamp. You can find that yeah. somewhere. Just look up Spirit of Youth Bandcamp, and I'm sure it's somewhere on there. If you, are you if screaming really in that or see. screaming in that one or yeah. drumming? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's so. <laughs> it. Spirit of Youth, guys, check it out. We'll, we'll bring them back. Uh, <laughs> that's killer, man. So so yeah, you start doing the underground kind of shows. You ever get Cass in for one? Yeah, so he actually did our second show ever, awesome. and it was like a it was a thing where like I kind of wanted to get his blessing on everything. Show yeah, him absolutely. That I was legitimate about this and everything, and we've been great friends ever since. So he's he's a great dude, and I'm I'm glad we brought him in for one show, and I definitely need to bring him back. Yeah, he he's the man. 
Shout out to Casanova Valentine. And anybody out there, add him on Twitter at Black Death Cass. I believe his previous account just got deleted. So he's starting from yeah. scratch again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at Black Death Cass, add him. Um, so then from there, is that where we start to talk about the murder basement? Is that because of COVID, like everything sort of shut down and you you guys started to think outside of the box of how you could like sort of run some shows and do some stuff online? Yeah, so the murder basement really was, like, a year into COVID, probably. Um, But, like, so I had done one show in September of last year, Mm -hmm. and that was just, like, kind of, like, midway through the pandemic, and I just wanted to do something with, like, 50 fans, kind of space it out and everything. And that was obviously our first show with a ring, and that was basically just because I wanted to make sure that we could – distance everybody and stuff because with the no ring like obviously people aren't seated or anything like that so but we did that one show and then things got a lot worse covid wise around here so i just kind of laid low for a little bit and then yeah i wanted to do the like no fan live streams that a lot of companies were doing yeah and i just could not find anywhere that would work with me on like a price or anything and the murder basement is actually the basement of a skate shop called this skate shop in Fargo. Yeah. And he was super cool about everything. He did not care what we did down there. So that's kind of where that all came from. But yeah, that was definitely a result of COVID getting really bad around here to the point where I didn't feel comfortable doing any kind of events with fans. Absolutely. Well, it's what another kind of example to me of COVID creating blessings in disguise you know what I mean it's obviously been like a horrible kind of event but it pushed quite a few people's backs to the walls and sort of forced them to think outside of the box a little bit you know and deathmatch wrestling has really sort of excelled due to that era you know when you think about guys like you um, building those shows and that mystique and you think about ICW no holds barred and having like shows in car parks and in the bloodshed and stuff like that. You know, everybody was thinking <laughs> yeah, outside the box yeah. and trying to do things well, but do it safely. And, and I feel like it made like some pretty sort of iconic content, you know, like, do you look back at that and you're like, wow, that sort of made us do something different that then made us stand out, you know? Yeah. I think like the whole pandemic really forced me to be creative with yeah. what I was doing. And I, I do think that the murder basement shows really stood out from pretty much anything else anybody was doing, which Absolutely. is something I'm I'm proud of. But at the same time, when we were doing it, I was just like, man, this is so like shitty. Like I really thought people were just going to completely hate it. And the thing awesome. with like the those shows is we only did two of them, and the first one was live streamed, and obviously the internet down there is just total shit. So yeah. it was like two forty like video quality. It was just awful. And it really just kind of added to the whole thing. Like yeah. people were just loving it. Cause I mean, it's free wrestling. Like I, you can't yeah. really complain too much, but people loved it. And I was genuinely surprised that people were so receptive to it. Cause I thought everybody was just going to absolutely hate it. it. It's so funny, right? Because you're obviously looking at it from a production standpoint and you're like, this isn't where I want to be. I want this kind of thing. But all the stuff you are hating is kind of the stuff that made it it's vibe what it was, you know? Like, when I first saw it, I was like, what the hell is this? Because I love gritty underground stuff. The basement down there, if nobody's ever seen the shows, you can check out, like, those shows on YouTube, yeah? Are they also up on IWTV now, or or the Murder Basement just on YouTube? They are not. They are only on YouTube right now, so that's just on the Time Bomb Pro Wrestling YouTube. Exactly, and they've just got this, like, 
murder basement is what you would call it because it look, looks like a snuff <laughs> film or something. It looks so dodgy and, and creepy and scary. And then they're having these death matches down there and like grappling wrestling matches and stuff. And it's just <laughs> something that nobody else has done. You know, it's like, it looks like, yeah, yeah Stu yeah. Hart's basement kind of, kind of thing. Like it, it's a, an unbelievable kind of, um, space. Um, do you think now you would, cause you're obviously in an amazing venue now, like the last couple of shows you've done in that, church looking place look phenomenal do you think oh, you yeah. would do or or is it even an option to do murder basement stuff as well um it is absolutely an option i've i've been thinking about it a lot i'm thinking next year we'll probably do some sort of show where we can let like we could probably fit like 50 fans down there realistically and then yeah. like have the platform and everything i think it would be a really cool vibe to just have like everybody surrounding that platform down there and stuff and just, like, go all out with it. Yeah, but just people screaming. It. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it is in the cards. I think it will happen. It's just a matter of time. And, and like you said, we have that amazing venue right now, so I'm kind of trying to, to do as much as I can there and Absolutely. just kind of... Uh, keep cementing myself as not just a deathmatch company, but as like a top tier independent wrestling Absolutely. company. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Be able to mix and match them both. Tell me about that yeah, current definitely. venue. Cause that's striking. It, like that looks like an actual church. I don't know what it is, but it looks really impressive. Yeah. So it is a church from like the late twenties, I believe or something. Oh wow. And it, so it sat abandoned for the longest time and it got, it had like millions and millions of dollars pumped into it to become a music venue. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen so many bands there. I've seen the descendants there. Cool. I, too many to even name. So, but it's like a, it's a really, really good midsize venue. Yeah. And, um, first wrestling who that's ran by Eric Cannon out of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. They were the first company to really break the ice there with wrestling. And ever since like, they've just loved having wrestling there. So I'm really glad that that's like our home venue now because it, for the longest time that was like the big goal was to do a show at Sanctuary and now it's just like a normal thing happening, which is really cool. Yeah, that's really awesome, man. The The first thing I thought when I turned on that show, I was like, what is this venue? Because it just looks so amazing. <laughs> you know, it's really striking. And I think it's sort of important for wrestling companies to have a home. You know, and if it's somewhere striking, then that becomes synonymous with you, you know, when it's just yeah, yep. big open gymnasiums and stuff or like a small rec center, it doesn't really have a vibe. But then if you've got something like that, and I mean, you've got two really in the yeah, the, the yeah. murder basement and, and sanctuary, it's really impressive, you know, and then when you think about like ICW No Holds Barred or, or with the... Um, the bloodshed and the, the field of fear and the pawn shop, or you think about GCW and they've become very synonymous with the showboat. It's really cool to turn on yep. that and you're like, oh, the, now I'm watching a time bomb show, you know? Like, uh, I think that production is really cool. Exactly. Like, or like when you watch like an ECW show, like, you know, it's going to be Obviously, at the arena, yep. mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be at the Manhattan Center. Like, you, you just like, you put these companies with the venues yeah. and they become a part of the whole presentation. Yeah. And it, what really bums me out is that I, I don't know if you know, but the Suzuki show won't be at that venue oh, won't because they, they were, they were booked so far in advance and this whole thing came together so fast that we had to move it to a different venue, which right. is not as like visually striking, but it's still a really nice building and it'll work. But 
um, we're absolutely going to go right back to Sanctuary. Like, we're not changing venues or anything like that. But it does suck that the show with, like, the most live stream viewers that we're probably ever going to have is not going to be at that beautiful venue. Yeah. Well, you know, the sometimes you've got to roll with the punches, like, with that stuff. And then anybody that's like, I'm going to check out some of their shows are going to see it. So... So that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't consider taking Suzuki to the murder basement. (laughs) (laughs) Man, if it was even financially possible, I would have done it. If I didn't have to have tickets, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that would have been an absolutely amazing visual. That would have been the most viral clip of all time, just Suzuki in America (laughs) fighting in some snuff film basement. Like, it would have been amazing. Awesome. Well, let's... um. Let's quickly quickly run through sort of the cast of characters um, that you've got because when obviously there's some amazing talent on your your roster. When I I think of Time Bomb, I think of Oren Veidt, but I also think of David Spriggle, and I also think of the Carver. Like I feel like he did he appear in Time Bomb first because that's where I first became aware of him. Uh, and his sort of antics, his sort of horror movie uh, serial killer aesthetic. Like, were you behind that, or or had he been around? He had been around for probably, like, close to a year, but, like, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I don't think he had worked really anywhere as notable as Time Bomb. So I I think this was his first appearance for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and that first live stream was such a perfect setup because it's like, this guy that you've never seen before and he's hanging someone from the pipes of yeah. like a, a murder basement. So it really worked out perfect. And I, I do take some credit. Like he's obviously working hard as fuck to get where he's at, but I do take some credit that um, I do think those murder basement shows really kind of cemented him and where he's at. And it's cool to see him getting shots in ICW now and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Like he, I think he was a, uh, a big part of, of the those shows working so well because it's just this like you know murder storyline going on you know (laughs) while it's all happening which is really cool and so like you guys were able to benefit each other like in such a way because yeah he's uh he's picking up steam um as far as that goes how did you meet Oren Vitus he's somebody that you've known a while because he was obviously time bomb champion for like a very long time um I've known Oren since like. So I started going to indie shows in, like, 2016, Mm -hmm. and he was on a lot of the shows I would go to, and, like, he was, like, he wasn't a full-on deathmatch guy yet, but he was doing a lot of crazy stuff. Like, he would do these crazy ladder matches and stuff, so he always stuck out to me as, like, the crazy hardcore guy with all the satanic tattoos and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and then he started doing IWA Mid-South, and that's when he really started doing, like, deathmatches and everything. Mm -hmm. And when I did the first Time Bomb show... Cody Rice was another person that I had seen on all those independent shows doing hardcore stuff like that. So Cody Rice and Oren Veidt were the two names that really came into my head when I first thought about doing it. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being the first main event of the first time bomb, which was a pseudo death match that we use glass and stuff, but it was like kind of without me knowing and stuff like that. So it, <laughs> it kind of just morphed into a death match for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you find a way to fit it in there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that that is awesome. You've also done a great job um, 
cultivating new talent as well. Like when we think about Damon Spriggle and now Badger Briggs is a name that I keep uh, seeing. Are they people that you had seen around or like are they local to the area? Yeah, so Damon, in all honesty, I had never watched him wrestle before, Mm -hmm. but Oren had really, really, really talked him up to me. So we had him booked for a show before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. He was just going to do like a a TLC match with Oren, just at some random one-off show, but that got canceled, and then Oren convinced me to do a main event death match with Damon at the first Murder Basement show. Yes. And I mean... There was nobody there, and Damon went incredibly hard, like harder than I've ever seen somebody do in front of no fans, especially in a death match. Like during all the COVID shows, like by the end of it, he had like he had this insane gash on his thumb, and I was just like, man, like you need to go to the hospital. He's just like, no, I'm fine. He's just insane, and like I, I really hope to kind of put him up on a pedestal, and hopefully get him out there and everything because I I really think he's so underrated with everything, and I think he's. He's a work in progress, but he's also ready enough that if somebody gave him the shot, I think he could really run with it. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to Damon recently, and I'll be putting out that interview pretty soon as well. But how he came off to me was like leagues ahead of where he should be. You know, like for his age, he seems so mature and his head's in the right place and he's this hardworking guy and all he wants to do is learn. And he's like, I've got time I don't want to be everything yet I want to do it the right way and you're just like man you're so mature for your age like and he's can you imagine where he's gonna be you know five years ten years down the track like exactly and and that's what really attracts me to him and Badger both like Mm -hmm. Badger especially she's she's had less than 20 matches and she gets it more than probably 95 percent of the local wrestlers around this area and I I really think Damon and Badger have a good head on their shoulders they really understand like what they're here to do and like what they're supposed to do. So I, I, those two are really like the people that I'm trying to build time bomb around. And hopefully, you know, it seems like people are really latching onto both of them, which is nice to see because I really, really think highly of both of them. Absolutely. Well, it it speaks to time bomb as well because you're still a, you know, relatively new to the streaming game and all that kind of stuff. And here you are building these young stars already. You know what I mean? And you've, you stumbled into having a couple of like a few young people that are really invested and are going to work really hard, and then you've also got some veterans like Oren Vite, Dom Garini, people like this that can help build them and and give the show's credibility as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I think it's a really good mix versus just booking like super cards like a lot of people tend to do. I I think it works out a lot better to have you know somebody like a Dom work with a Damon Spriggle, you know, like we did the tag match of Violence is Forever yeah. and then Orin and Damon. And I really think those are like, you can't put a price on like those experiences for some of those younger kids because like just in that 15 minute, 20 minute match, however long it was, Damon probably learned more than a couple months at a training school could ever teach you. So I really think that there's value to that more than just booking like a match that like people on the internet are going to lose their mind over because in the long run I'm investing in these people and I really want them to be the stars and in, in like a couple of years, hopefully sooner, we'll see what happens and stuff like that. So I, I really value having the young kids in there with the bigger names and it might not be the most appealing to like social media, but that's not who I'm really booking for at this point. So, and, and the local crowd seems to love those people. So it, it works out really good. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is as well, like, 
like with anything, if you if you build an ongoing story and a mythology and like a, a lineage sort of within Time Bomb, people will follow that. You know what I mean? Like when you go back and you go through the murder basement shows and then and into these existing ones, sort of you see the development of all these people. Like I, I was a big comic book fan for many years and like if I read an issue I really like, I always sort of want to go back to the start, you know? And when you can do that with a product, it's really cool, you know? And you've got these ongoing threads through everything. Um, the story that you guys have been telling with with Dom and with Oren have been really cool. Oren is this dominant champion. Uh, Dom is a, a grappless grappler and he ends up beating Oren by challenging him to, no, this isn't going to be a death match. This is going to be, you know, a grappler's match. And he manages to lure him into what is his, you know, domain and then take the title. And then now he's like, time bomb isn't going to be death match anymore. Now it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be all catches, catch, catch and all this stuff and like doing ultimate sort of heel kind of stuff. And then the tag, I think it's really cool, man. Like what is, uh, what's Dom's status at the moment? Cause I think, I think he was hurt, right? So Dom is, he was hurt for a while. You know, I, I don't want to reveal too much about him just because okay. he's, you know, he's trying to keep things a little bit private. So, yeah. but he is very, very ready to do the Suzuki match. He, he's not in any physical pain or anything like that right now. If, if he was, I would not allow him to do the Suzuki match, but he feels very capable to do that match. And I think right now he's just going to be working on a very limited schedule. If, even there is a schedule. So, but I think going forward into like 2022, we're going to see a lot of Dom Greeny and, you know, it sucks that the latter half of 2021 has kind of been just like on hold for him, but I, I think he's going to come back with a vengeance for sure. I just, I'm not sure when it is, but you know, this, we got the Suzuki show and then I'm not really sure when the next time bomb is. So we're just kind of got to wait to see, when he thinks he can come back and then we'll work around that because he is the champion. He is the face of time bomb right now. And we're kind of playing by his rules here. So <laughs> exactly. If he's not going to show up with the belt, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we had at the last show, he wasn't there and Ku was there, but he was just absolutely trashing that belt. You know, I'm going to have to buy a new one whenever somebody wins that back from, from Dom. Cause it is, it is cracked for sure. It looks like the, uh, when Naito had the oh, no. title, <laughs> that's what it looks like right now. So, but well, I don't know if you, you remember, know, you but when uh, Tanahashi won the belt back from Naito, the Intercontinental Belt, there was a whole uh, ridiculous article in like a Japanese wrestling magazine of Tanahashi fixing it himself. Like he's just wearing like an apron <laughs> and he's cleaning it all up, and it's obviously a brand new belt. But it's like, oh, Tanahashi did it himself. So maybe you could hit him up. <laughs> he's been coming to the states. Maybe he can fix it for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll use my Kinex with New Japan. Exactly. Yeah, you've already about that. Yeah, exactly. You've already you've already got a foot in the door. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the whole card looks amazing, man. Um, so let's talk about the Suzuki thing and and how that came about. That's obviously like such a huge announcement, such a big name. And Time Bomb was one of the first uh, companies to to drop that announcement as well. Like when he was first coming to the states, I think your guys was like nearly the first graphic I saw. Uh, that Suzuki was going to be in the States. Yeah, like, so the funny thing is, is that it came together so fast because I had no idea that he was coming to the States until I saw GCW started announcing him for shows. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had kind of reached out to 
different people to try and get some info on how long he was going to be there and all that. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being um, Kikutaro, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And he got me in touch with New Japan and all that. And I kind of, I was so determined to do it that I was kind of just like, yeah, whatever, like, let's do it. And I got yeah. the graphic out super fast just just because I knew that I needed to get it out there before everybody else did. So I, I'm really glad that it's worked out the way it has. I think it's one of the more hyped up matches of the whole Suzuki tour. Obviously, Absolutely. besides some of the the crazier matches, like the Danielson one coming up tomorrow and all that. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I really think it's got some hype behind it. I think it's I think it's going to be fantastic. Absolutely, and you you sort of hit the nail on the head as well with Dom. I think that's a a match that people would love to see. You know, Suzuki and and Dom that their styles are going to mirror each other, and it's going to be like a real contest. When I think of Dom and, like, dream matches, there's only really two people that I've ever thought of, and it's Suzuki and then Samoa Joe. And obviously the yeah. Samoa Joe one isn't going to happen anytime soon, but mm-hmm. I'm really glad that we can make the Suzuki one happen because I think it is, like, the definition of a dream match when you really look at both of their mm-hmm. styles and the intensity that they bring and everything, and it's I think it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Now that is crazy. But the whole whole card is literally stacked, man. So... And then you've got Dom's partner, Kevin Koo, against Brian Keith. So I hadn't seen the Bounty Hunter before he appeared in ICW No Hold Spuds, The Pit, in um, in Texas against Justin Kyle. And I was really, really impressed, man. So those two, that's crazy. Yeah, that ICW match was actually my introduction to Brian Keith as, as well. well. Yeah, okay, yeah, and exactly. How great did he do? Yeah. I was just completely sold with him. I... I think he's amazing at what he does. I think he's going to be a big name in the independence within the next year or two. And I think this is like a perfect match, like just two guys that are really on their stride right now mm-hmm. in independent wrestling. And I, I think it's going to be a breakthrough match for both of them, honestly, like really, because you know, they're both big names already, but I think the two of them working together is really going to show everybody what they're all about. And, make people care about them a lot more than they already do right now. Absolutely. Both huge strikers. And not that Koo is in the shadow of Garini at all, but Garini has definitely done more, I guess, higher-profile single stuff, in my eyes anyway, like from where I sit and the yeah. promotions that I watch. So I think with somebody like Brian Keith, I think they're both going to really show out in a big way. And this may be like one of the, the most... Um, underrated matches like of the weekend yeah it's it's a really big singles opportunity for kevin and i i don't think he's had too many for sure in time bomb he hasn't had too many and um yeah i i just really think it's going to be a breakthrough moment for both of them mm-hmm. especially on iwtv with such a large crowd on there yeah yeah not definitely um then you've got the the veteran um eric cannon versus a man we just spoke about, Damon Spriggle. Uh, I know Eric had a real um, sort of big influence on Oren Veidt's career. Uh, and this, to me, almost feels like the, you know, the master versus the rookie kind of thing. It's like I know Orange played a big part in Spriggle's development, and so it's kind of like bringing in the grandmaster, you know, <laughs> to, <laughs> to verse the trainee. Yeah, so I'm very interested. It's it's funny that you say that because Eric Canner. Eric Cannon is actually Damon Spriggle's trainer from the Academy of Professional Wrestling in Minneapolis. Really? So it is, it's really interesting to watch Cannon go up against a lot of his trainees because 
there's been so many kids that have come out of that school. The two most notable ones are definitely top flight from AEW. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's trained so many kids. And, you know, it's funny to watch him go up against them for the first time because he really does not go easy on them. He His chops are intense, and you'll definitely see that. Um, he's, he's not going to go easy on Spriggle for sure. And I, I think that's the thing with Spriggle is he never gives up. And I, I think that's what really endears fans to him is that he – his chest will look like hamburger meat, but he's ready to go another 30 minutes if he really has to. So I think it's going to be a good show for Spriggle. I I don't know if he can pull it off. Cannon's really, really good, and he's got 20-plus years of experience behind him, and Spriggle's got two, I think. So yeah. it's it's going to be interesting for sure. I'm super excited for that one. Absolutely. And he, even if he can't pull it off, he's still going to learn a lot because it's one thing being trained by somebody in controlled you know, situations and stuff like that is very different, you know, being out there live and fighting for your life, you know? So, um, yeah, there is, there is zero shame in losing to somebody who has that much experience in their belt. Like he's Cannon has seen it all for sure. So yeah, exactly. I think it was just on the most recent show. Um, apologies. I'm going to forget the name. The, the last one that you guys put up on IWTV, I actually finished watching it this morning, but I know Oren. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, what's uh, Bloodlust that? Bloodlust with Gangrel. Bloodlust with Gangrel. Yeah. So yeah. I finally yeah. I had watched uh, all that show, but I hadn't finished the three way, and I hadn't finished Oren versus Eric. So I finished that this morning, and yeah, I know that Oren only just managed to get his first win over <laughs> Eric after all that time. You know what I mean? So he's definitely going to have a yeah, task yeah. ahead of him. But yeah, it's it's kind of like Anakin versing Qui-Gon Jinn. He's skipping over Obi-Wan <laughs> and going straight to the top using a Star Wars reference from the worst Star Wars movie. So, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Now that's killer, man. Well, speaking of Oren, he was going to be versing um, Paul London, which is a huge name for him. Obviously, that's unfortunately fallen through now, but talk about a replacement. Alex Zane, fresh out of WWE, hot as in GCW right now. This is going to be like a clash of styles that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I mean, like, my mindset going into this is, you know, Oren had that loss to Dom, and it's really kind of a blow to the 500-plus day champion of Time Bomb Pro Oren Vites. So it kind of knocked him right back down to the bottom, and he kind of has to prove himself as a pro wrestler now. Mm -hmm. So I've been giving him these matches, you know, like the the one with Eric Cannon got a little bit too hardcore, but I'm also trying to show that Oren Vite is is just as much a professional wrestler as he is a deathmatch wrestler. So, And, I I mean, the Paul London one was – I have no doubt in my mind that was going to be an absolute clinic in wrestling. Mm -hmm. But – the Alex Zane one, I think, is almost more interesting on paper because, like you said, it's a clash of styles. You know, Oren doesn't really work too much with the crazy flippy guys and stuff like that, but I know that he can bring it to Alex Zane. I, I really think that one's going to be – it's going to be fast and it's going to be flashy, but it's also – I'm just really excited to see what they do together because I honestly have no idea what to expect. Absolutely. I think – it's going to have both guys thinking outside of their usual boxes. And that to yeah, me is where yeah. the really interesting stuff happens. You know, I've only seen Oren bring out the 450 like 
maybe twice. So he might have to pull that one up to try and get the W. But Jesus we'll Christ, I've never seen him do that. So, <laughs> yeah, he, it's it's very rare. So I guess we'll see if he pulls it out this oh, time. No, but... I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, shout out to Oren Vine. We've, uh, since I ha- had him on my show, we've become really good friends and I actually quite care about him. So I do not want to see him, uh, <laughs> him trying to do that. But but that's where these kind of matches, you know, shine when dudes start to go, okay, so I've got to think out the box. Then they start to run in each other's wheelhouse a little bit. Like, will, will Oren be pulling out 450s and trying to go, you know, high flyer? And will Alex start to get a bit bloody? You know what I mean? Like, and, and try and yeah, grind exactly. it out with him. You know, you got you got two masters of their crafts yeah. and completely different styles. So yeah. I think, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting match on paper, but I think it's even more interesting when it's going to be happening right in front of you. So I'm super excited to see what happens with that one. I, yeah, I'm just really excited for that one. Yeah. Now that is killer. Now tell me about this next one. So I, I said, I, I'm aware of Badger Briggs, but I'm, I'm unfamiliar with Jordan. So what's the scenario with these guys? So Jordan is fairly new to the independent wrestling scene right now. Um, he's He's got some time under his belt for sure. I don't want to expand too much on that one. But Jordan has kind of rediscovered himself and is going by just Jordan now. He's here to just do complete strong style matches. You know, he's, he's rough. He's from the very rough streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he's just kind of there to, you know, he had a fight with Spriggle at our last No Ring show in Minneapolis. And, you know, he's really just there to beat the shit out of everybody. Also, I'm sorry if I can't swear on here. I've um, kind of been swearing I don't know if you've so. heard me speak one time ever in this interview, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I've said the word fuck about a hundred times since we've been speaking. So it's totally fine. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I, I'm so used to it that I just kind of blank it out anyway. So. Dude, I, I don't even know. It's like in my lexicon now. Like I can't even help it and I get excited and like fired up about this stuff and I just start swearing like a trooper so anybody that's ever offended by my language I'm very sorry but it's it cannot be helped it just happens but yeah, but yeah Jordan is um he he's very very good at what he like I said he's got so much experience under his belt but he's you know he's really trying to rebrand himself as a very serious wrestler and he mm-hmm. I think he's achieving it and once that match with Spriggle goes up on IWTV, hopefully soon, um, I think a lot of people are going to be introduced to him, and it's it's a great match. And I, I think this match with Badger is going to be amazing because, you know, Badger's got that submission experience and everything, and Jordan's more of a, I'm just going to stiff shot you every chance I get. So I really think it's going to be a hard-hitting match. I think there's going to be a lot of submission work, and I'm really excited to see it. I think it's just going to be a really hard-hitting, just fantastic match all around. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think the, the lineup looks killer. The presentation has been awesome. All the graphics have been like dope as hell, and you you were right on top of it and got it out nice and early. So I think uh, I think a lot of people are going to have their eyes set on this one. And from what I know anyway, or shows that are on my radar, it's kind of a, a weekend a bit that's all to yourself as well. Like it's not like you're um, straight up against like Deathmatch Circus, you know, <laughs> the other weekend and, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. You know, you, you've sort of got your own date here. Yeah, that's that's the nice part. Is that I think the only thing I'm really competing with is a uh, WWE Crown Jewel, 
that morning. No one's watching that. Be watching it. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. So, and that, like I said, that's in the morning anyway. So yeah, exactly. Like I said, no one's watching that. So two very different markets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, I think we have a great spot on IWTV. I think this is 100% going to be the most eyes that have ever been on us before. And I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully just go all out and really deliver and win a lot of people over. Absolutely, man. Now, did I miss any matches? Are there anything else that we need to announce for that one? I think, I think that's everything or are there going to be some other, other stuff on the card? Um, so we have the five matches announced. There's actually six matches on Ooh. the card. Um, I'm going to be announcing it soon. So I'll just say it right here. Um, so this one is not like the huge star-studded names that like the rest of the card is, but it is um, the infamous Doctor Cube who has been making a name for himself in violence and suffering and a lot of other promotions like that from Kaiju Big Battle. Uh-huh. He's going to be going up against uh, Gabriel Sky, which is a rematch from Violence and Suffering. Okay, and that's just going to be a all-out war. That'll be the one hardcore match of the show. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I think they're really going to do some damage to each other. It's kind of a nice, uh, you know, the card is so full of like stiff, hard-hitting matches, and I think one hardcore match to kind of break up everything is going to be really nice and. They're definitely there's some animosity there, so they're really gonna go to war with each other for sure. Oh, that's awesome, man! What a card! That is absolutely killer, man! I'm very excited to see it. It's gonna be be a good one. Um, well, I'm just looking on my calendar to figure out when it airs live in Australia, so I can figure out if I can watch it live <laughs> or or if I'm like at work. So it's October twenty first. Da, da, da. So it'll be right around this time, and then it would be the twenty second your day. Yes. 22nd for you, yeah. Which means it's almost certainly perfect because I have the day off, so that's good. All right, I think I'll be watching it live. That works out perfect. I'm off every Friday. Perfect. Oh, perfect, yeah. It airs at 8 p.m., and it is two minutes from 8 p.m. right now, so it'll it'll work out perfect for you. That is perfect. And how long does it run for? Uh, So all of our shows are two hours or less. So it'll music to my ears right now. Because uh, I have another interview at 10 o'clock, so I'm going to get up, watch this, hang up, and then, uh, then get on the phone. So that's going to be amazing. Perfect. I mean, I I just I can't stand when wrestling shows go too long. So my thing is do six matches, make sure they're all great, and just get in and out of there as fast as you can. And I think it leaves a really good impression on people. It leaves you wanting more, too. Yeah. Like, especially on IWTV where you're not doing, like, a pay-per-view, like, you almost kind of want to leave people wanting more. So I I think it's a good format to have. Nobody's complaining about a two-hour wrestling show. No, that's absolutely perfect. Man, I'm so excited. So as we start to wrap up here, man, I always ask people a question at the end of my shows. I always ask them, what are you feeling in wrestling at the moment? So besides Time Bomb, which we're obviously uh, feeling quite hot, what are you digging <laughs> at the moment? Be it old favorites that you've recently watched, a wrestler that people need to know about shows that you've been liking. What are you about right now? Um, so in all honesty, I work so much that I barely get to watch any new wrestling. Um, I obviously catch all the GCW shows when I can. A lot of the bigger shows I'm really into, you know, like the last couple showboat shows have been absolutely amazing. I'm really into that. I'm into the ICW no holds barred stuff. Those are the two promotions that I really keep an eye on. Like most everybody does. Um, Locally, I'm really, really into First Wrestling, which is out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's ran by Eric Cannon. I highly suggest everybody check them out. They're on IWTV, all that, YouTube, everything. And 
they book some absolutely insane cards, and because they aren't live-streamed, I feel like they kind of really fly under the radar, but, like, this is a promotion that'll... They run at First Avenue in Minneapolis, which is... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Prince movie Purple Rain. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So First Avenue is the venue that Prince like played at all the time and stuff. So Amazing. that's his. But they'll run there and they won't announce anything, and they'll sell out two thousand tickets. It's just insane oh, wow. how how big of a promotion they are, and it just really flies under the radar. And then they'll have like Ultimo Dragon show up just as a complete surprise. So <laughs> I, those shows are absolutely worth watching just because they're so crazy. Like what canon will book and just not announce. So yeah. the, I would definitely check out First Wrestling on IWTV. Just the ultimate underground <laughs> wrestling promotion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, And they have some insane stuff coming up. And, and like I said, I, I feel like it really flies under the radar outside of Minneapolis just because they aren't live streaming on anything. And I, I think canon likes it that way, but it's also like, man, this could be huge. Like, yeah. I look at some of those GCW shows, I'm like, man, First is almost outdrawing them on some of these. So wow. it's pretty crazy to see. But, yeah, I mean, GCW, ICW, and First are really the big things I watch. I also watch a lot of old ECW, but what else is new there? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time today, dude. Like, I really appreciate it. Uh, tell people where to find you and the, the final times for the show one more time. Yeah, so our show coming up is uh, October 21st, and it's at 8 p.m. That's Central Time, and uh, it'll be live-streamed on independentwrestling.tv. If you don't have an account, you can sign up. Just go to independentwrestling.tv and use the code TIMEBOMB, and when you do that, it kicks a little bit back to us, so it's always appreciated. Um, there's thousands of promotions on there. You could you could watch wrestling for the rest of your life and not have to like repeat any shows, so... But, um, yeah, that's where you can find that upcoming show. We have a lot of stuff on YouTube, a lot of, like, free matches, all that. We also have our backlog on IWTV. But um, for social media, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. It's all at Time Bomb Pro. So pretty easy to remember. Shoot us a follow anywhere out there. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's about it for me. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, everybody on IWTV, violence is forever. That huge lineup with Minoru Suzuki and Dominic Garini topping it out. Thank you for your time, Eric. I can't wait for the show. Uh, I'll be tweeting about it. I'll be involved. It's going to be a great time, guys. So check it out. And so for Eric Morrison and Time Bomb Pro Wrestling and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks everyone for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, 
Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Oh!